the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Bill, great to have you back. It's Hello, been Paul. ages. Ah, oh, yes. I think it's only the second time this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've been very busy, I hear. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, great great to have you here. Let's uh, let's jump into the uh, the tech news and, and topics of the week. Um, oh, just a, a little note first up. Um, we have had an extra episode uh, go online this week, which was a, a little bit of a chat that I had with uh, Eugene Kaspersky, uh, who's in New Zealand at the moment. Uh, so I, I just captured a short chat with him. Uh, didn't quite manage to get answers on uh, on some of my uh, some of my questions from him, but uh, but I thought I'd capture that and, and share it for those that are interested. Uh, anyway, so um, so there is an extra episode that slotted in uh, between our weekly episodes there, which was that uh, that that uh, twenty minute uh, chit chat with uh, Eugene uh, Kaspersky, um, and uh, quite a lot a, a number of people will be uh, familiar. Uh, with uh, Kaspersky Lab, who are you know, most well known for uh, antivirus uh, endpoint security software, um, but is a, a pretty successful cybersecurity uh, company globally. And um, uh, I'm I'm told that uh, Eugene himself is uh, a billionaire from what what uh, Forbes magazine says. So uh, he's he's done well uh, in the world of uh, cybersecurity. So uh, yeah, quite an interesting one to listen into. And um, yeah, it takes back to uh, to to his his early days and how he got interested in uh, viruses. Another tech billionaire in New Zealand, huh? Well, I'm not sure that he's sticking around for uh, for for too long, uh, Bill. But uh, we we seem to get those visits, don't we? Yeah. In fact, last time he was here was was you know purely a, a holiday, and I think that's probably the the case for a lot of these tech billionaires that uh, uh, duck in and and duck out of the country, isn't it? Now, uh, British Airways. What, what on earth is going on with British Airways? They've um, they've really got themselves into uh, into a spot of bother with um, some technology issues and reading some pretty big figures into the you know hundreds of millions of pounds uh, that their outage has cost them. And actually, when you look across the airline industry. Uh, they're not the only ones that have uh, that have been hit with with issues over uh, over recent years, but this is, is certainly um, it's a big one. Could be a you know yeah it's a, a big a, one. Look, big it's, even, it's even bigger than big because it's a it's a holiday weekend in Britain. It's the big holiday weekend where people a lot of people fly this particular weekend, and a lot of those flights didn't happen, and people can't and there are people who aren't going to be able to get back. In fact, I've got a family member who's um, in Portugal at the moment. I do hope the poor thing isn't doesn't have to stay there too long. It must be really hard. <laughs> but anyway, um, um, I think the thing about this that's interesting is that for a long time in the um, 80s and 90s, there was a lot of talk in the um, IT world about uh, using airlines as case studies, which was really about how technology had become the business, that the real business of an airline was the technology, the booking systems and so on, were so much more central um, than just flying planes around. And in fact, in the case of American Airlines, they spun their 
technology off into a whole new business. Um, but it is. It's, it's completely central to an airline. And, um, you know, you're offline for a couple of days and you're just stuffed. You, you really are. Um, I understand it's something to do with the power supply, that they've got problems with the power supply. The, yeah, they, they highlighted a power issue as yeah. as being a root cause, but yeah, the the initial issue you know impacted you know huge numbers of flights, and then yeah there was a flow on, and they, you know they had issues for uh, you know I think well, you know at least th- three days now. Okay. My 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 take on this, and it's it's like I'm not speaking from a position of knowledge, just having seen a lot of these problems over the years. Is that I think they're getting systems together for organisations like British Airways, which are actually just a bit too complex to manage and troubleshoot. And um, um, you know the the complexity of their IT is is is, is huge. And it's not like um, something like a um, you know when you're doing a big data project where you've got like very very complex systems with lots of data and so on. But if it's if it's a couple of hours late getting to the result, that's not an important thing when you're you know you're finding out whether people are going to choose a particular shaving soap or a form of face cream or whatever. But when it's something like organising flights and getting things to the right place on the right time and logistics and so on, you know that kind of complexity just stuffs you. Um, well, you know, I, th- I think yeah, the the whole airline industry, like just about every other industry, is very reliant, but to but it but very much to the to the next level. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you will recall when uh, when Air New Zealand had an outage uh, in, I- in an IBM uh, data center, I think, uh, or were an, an an issue that IBM were uh, were managing and with some power power long time power testing, companies. and yeah, that yeah. caused some real trouble. There was oh, there was some real niggle between the two of them, and it went on for for years mm. um, as a result. And yeah, that same thing I would imagine with British Airways. But I, I, no, I reckon that they've probably got too much complexity. I, I would I would guess there's a lot of legacy gear in there as well. Um, and there's probably people. My 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 take on this is there can be legacy gear. There can be people that no longer really know how things are. Go, you know what's what's what connects to what and so on. Um, because you know really they've had two days to fix it. So yeah, it's um, oh, be a, a horrible position to be in the middle of that and to uh, to be. Uh, well, the yeah. boss the boss isn't resigning apparently. Um, well, yeah, he may not. He may not want to resign. But if it goes on much longer, I think there's going to be huge pressure on him to, to mm, resign. Mm. And it's good that it's it's good that the um, British public are actually sheeting the problem back to the you know to the CEO because it's it's the CEO's responsibility. Mm, mm. Yeah, Well, I mean, ultimately they have to uh, they have to take responsibility. Of course, the CEO can't. Uh, uh, know all of the detail, but it's it's certainly um, the responsibility of the of the CEO on the board to make sure that the systems are uh, are being run and managed appropriately, and all the right uh, the right layers are in place. It's um, yeah, not not something that you would wish on on any firm, and I uh, guess the human impact of it. Oh, probably, I don't know. You know some pretty, firms I'd quite wish that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, I guess I'm more thinking of the, the not just the the firm and the business sense, but all of the people, Bill, that we yeah, care about. <laughs> um, now, 
this uh, laptop ban that went went into into place uh, for flights from uh, Middle Eastern com- countries to uh, to the US uh, that's now been been in place uh, for a, for a while. Uh, apparently, uh, impacting something like fifty flights a day, uh, f- and that's been going on since uh, since March. Well, the word is that. Maybe the US might um, expand that that ban of laptops um, on many many more flights coming into the the US. Well, apparently, all international flights. Possibly, yeah. possibly that far. I mean, that. Uh, I mean, how do you feel ab- about that? I mean, it seems to me well, that people people want to feel safe when they're when they're traveling but you know how far do you how far do you well let's you start go? with the security issue let's just talk about the security issue first right yes it's possible to construct some kind of bomb in a laptop battery yes you can do that but you can do that just as effectively if the laptop battery is sitting in the hold somewhere um, i'm told that the technology which the terrorists have access to has to be activated by a person. Well, I don't buy that. I really don't buy that. You know, if you 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 must be able to activate it uh, remotely as easily as you can re- activate it by pressing the keyboard. So, I, so I don't buy that line of reasoning. I think there's unless it's a disassembling it and reassembling it in a in a you know in a different manner type uh, type basis. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in which case. You can figure out a way to do that remotely, yeah. you know, in, with stuff in the hold. This is you with your terrorist head on. Well, well, well. <laughs> no. I'm not saying I. I'm, I'm saying not saying, I'm saying, that, I'm, I'm I'm saying that, that. And I shouldn't joke about these I'm things. But we're not in an airport, problem. though, so it's yeah. an engineering problem. Let's face it: there are there are plenty of engineers who are involved with those terrorist groups. So it's mm. not, mm. yeah, you know, it's an engineering problem. They can solve that. Um, now, the other thing is, is that you're going to have you're going to have perhaps a couple of a hundred laptops sitting in the hold all next to each other is that safer than having them spread out through the plane i don't know i mean i'm not i'm not a i'm not a terrorist i'm not a expert on explosives and so on i just think that there's some there's some sort of logical thinking there which doesn't seem to be to you know add up to me i I suspect with all these things with america that it's as much about theater as about actual security and it's about appearing to do things and making sweeping gestures and so on but i reckon that this kind of sweeping gesture is actually going to cost the American economy in ways that they just not really thinking through here. So, for example, how many trips would be cancelled? I mean, apparently 11% of all trips to the US have been cancelled since the new president anyway. right? So, so if you're going to make it harder for business travellers to get to America, you make it harder for people to work there and so on, there's going to be a, a, a further cut in trips to America. That's going to have a knock-on effect with hotels, with hospitality, with people that supply those oh, things. Big so impact on. on the economy. Have you? Yeah. Just, I haven't seen any figures around what the impact has been on travellers from the Middle East to the, I, U, the I US saw today. Which it's but, down forty percent since this started from wow, the Middle East. Yeah, so well, that's huge, isn't it? And and, um, and there's been some suggestions. Uh, apparently, the New York Times made a suggestion that this is actually led by the airlines because they were facing very. The big, the big um, Middle Eastern airlines, they fly to New Zealand, you know, the um, um, Emirates, and Emirates and the other one, but the name, I, name escapes me, but there's a football stadium. <laughs> um, but anyway, they're, um, um, they're 
very successful in wooing business travellers. And apparently, well, the New York Times ran a story saying you know, it's quite possible that it's actually pressure from the US airline industry to get those out of their market. So who knows what's really going on? But is it a technical story? Is, it, is, there, a, is there a real terrorism issue? Well, you know, who knows with all this stuff? Do we really? Yeah. But we do know that batteries explode. Um, just ask anyone who's had a Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's certainly uh, you know no no question that there are um, real risks around batteries, and of course, if somebody wants to use those for uh, for doing bad stuff, then then they will. But yeah, I think it's also fair to say that if somebody does want to do something bad on a plane, then they can work out a way. They can always work out a way to do it, right? If yeah. if they're determined to do it. I, I suppose this falls in, you know, maybe falls into the category of, you know, if they've got some intelligence around this, you know, a, a particular type of threat uh, by reducing the chance of that particular type of threat being uh, being able to be uh, delivered, uh, may, maybe they slow things down. But I think if, you know, if somebody wants to do something bad, they will find a way to do, yeah, to do I, I something think, bad. Yeah, I think so too. And I also think that, um, like I said, that the... The knock-on effect on what that does to the economy um, might be far more powerful than anyone reckons. And so, in effect, if you know, if say, for example, the various sectors of the U.S. economy drop by ten percent, that's done more damage. The terrorists have probably done more damage in the long term than. I mean, I know it's brutal to say this than, than mm. perhaps attacking a plane. I don't know. Um, I just think that they're not necessarily thinking these things through properly. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Now um, on to Computex. So this is that that time of year where Computex comes up uh, in Taipei, as it does uh, every year. Usually, uh, lots of announcements from tends to be you know, being a Taiwanese event. It tends to be Asian companies yeah. and particularly the Taiwanese uh, manufacturers. Uh, we're always going to see uh, things from ASUS. That tends to be uh, their their place where they they you know they have a big press conference, and uh, you know that's that's I think it's it's usually kind of a one of the the big the biggest uh, things there, and uh, usually quite early on uh, within the week. So uh, we've certainly seen that from Computex this year. Uh, no robots on stage this year, I believe, but. Uh, rolling out or announcing new sort of fancy thin uh, laptops and um, you know really I guess a big a big focus on uh, on laptops that are looking thin and light and uh, uh, and stylish which is I guess this is the, this is the time of year where ASUS get their attention and then the media doesn't notice them so much for the rest of the year right it's, it's also funny that everyone wants to try and build a MacBook Air now that Apple stopped doing it you know, <laughs> or almost stopped doing it but um, um yeah, they're, they're, I mean, the, the truth is, is that they're turning out some beautiful laptops at the moment. Um, as uh, someone who's a journalist, someone who flies a bit occasionally with a laptop, um, slim and light and powerful is, you know, is, is what I want from a laptop. And um, these guys turn them out. These, these models are actually quite good. They're a, little, they're a little bit underrated. The brand's not getting perhaps the... Uh, kudos that it should it's just not it's not a glamorous brand unfortunately well they 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 you know they fly below the radar to a degree 
Um, some of that is because they're not they're not really focused on the the, the business market where you know, a lot of these laptops actually look nice, like they would be good from a business perspective, but they don't have the sort of on-site warranties and other sorts of things that usually a business user is uh, you know is is expecting. It's a you know standard part and part and parcel of buying these products, but the, the products themselves look very very nice and uh, they tend to do a good job of. You know, staying right up there in terms of specifications, and then they come in at a at a sharper price point than uh, than m- much of the competition. I also think that in um, in the Western countries, they get their marketing wrong. They used to have their marketing right when the focus was very much on the technology and what was included and the features set and you know and so on. But now they tend to have you know they tend to have weird things like you know a computer with a bowl of flowers or <laughs> uh, or a woman in a Chanel outfit or something. Um, they, I mean, a lot of their marketing seems to just miss. Um, I don't know. Perhaps I'm perhaps I'm overthinking this one, but it just seems that they don't they don't seem to be able to tune into selling to these markets. Yeah, and no, I think that's 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 a that's a fair point. Certainly, their uh, their their approach doesn't uh, doesn't quite click. But you know, we've seen that with lots of other companies uh, too, and um, yeah. Not not just those that are Asian based, but no. uh, um, well, yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's an ongoing challenge. There's, there's some, they, you're right. There's some very nice laptops from the Zeus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there will be no doubt uh, a bunch of other uh, announcements over the next few days. It is an interesting conference to uh, uh, to get to and get onto the show floor and to. Uh, uh, see all the bits and pieces. Uh, a lot of the product is uh, is really coming from those local manufacturers who are looking a little bit like uh, a little bit like Consumer Electronics Show, uh, but uh, those companies that are that are looking maybe not to sell the product with their own brand names on it, but yeah. you know very much for other people to uh, to come in and say, I like that. Make ten thousand of those for me. And put this uh, this bad you well, know, this, this badge on it. Right? A couple of years ago, I had a lot of marketing information sent to me from the organisers. Obviously, I got onto their PR mailing list, and it seemed to feature a lot of power supplies and um, cooling units and rather good-looking cases, which seemed you know seemed to be like um, sort of machines that gamers would like and so on. But um, you know, a lot of components. Mm. Well, yeah, and um, you know, Intel always has a uh, has a strong presence there, so uh, you know it tends to be that there's lots to uh, lots to see from that uh, that perspective as well. Now, one product that I hadn't came across uh, hadn't come across before, uh, but I I saw uh, saw this week was um, a sort of a it's called the Eve V. Uh, and it's a Surface Pro uh, competitor, and it looks very much like Microsoft's Surface Pro, uh, and it's it's one that's gone through uh, um, an online uh, crowdfunding campaign, and it was shown off uh, this week at uh, Microsoft's keynote, actually at uh, at Computex in in Taipei. So Microsoft showed off a competitor. Yeah, well, that they have been, and when I guess when they first unveiled the Surface products, they were 
the the message they were they were sort of sending was look we're a little bit frustrated at pc manufacturers making pcs that actually aren't that great and so we want to spur people on with with some good products and look we don't mind if other people sort of mimic what we're doing we in fact we hope it inspires new thinking and new designs and so you know we really have seen uh you know much of the the uh PC manufacturers launch variations on the uh, the Surface Pro concept, that was, and, uh, in, including Apple, yeah. w- you know, with with their take on it as well. What I was going to say, I saw the first one I saw was um, almost eighteen months ago at the um, at Barcelona last year at the Mobile World Congress, where Huawei launched their Surface Pro lookalike. But it took six months or so to get to New Zealand. Um, and I've not seen it in the stores or anything since since it's been here. There's been quite a few since. I think there's a Samsung device which is very similar as well. Um, yeah, Lenovo, Samsung, yeah. HP. I mean, really, everyone's got a lot of variation on the surface. The interesting thing about the Eve V is that it seems to mimic or you know look very similar to the Surface Pro. Uh, it uses, I think, virtually the same stylus. It's from the same manufacturer that's built the uh, the stylus for the Surface Pro. And what I read online suggested it basically is is identical and even backwards compatible with the Surface so uh, products. It's, it's priced, I guess, is the issue there. Well, they're coming in with their unique take is that it's got USB-C connectivity. So it's got sort of... So you know, supposedly industry standard con- connectivity, which That's we think it. Apple and, and others, and and a bigger battery. Um, oh, now, now, yeah, the bigger w- battery would be because that, that's actually been a weak spot in the Surface line. Is it has been, but we've just had announced the new Surface Pro, and they're not calling yeah. it the Surface Pro Five, but the Surface Pro No yeah. Number. It's like a uh, MacBook. And and yeah, like others have have done. I guess we'll ref- in the future we'll refer to it as the 2017 yeah. model. Uh, and and the take that Microsoft have with that, they're talking about up to 13 and a half hours battery life. So yeah, so Paul, right Paul. at the time this one's coming out, Microsoft are also saying, hey, well we've 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 bumped up uh, battery life. Yeah, now, but the first surface, the early surfaces, they they were talking about eight hours battery life. It turned out they had about three and a half. So well, they never get the published battery life, do they? Unless no. unless you're using them for uh, ba- uh, do, doing vir- virtually nothing. In, right? gen- in general, battery life is one area where uh, manufacturers have got away with telling great big porkies for years. Um, I mean, if it's I mean, thirteen hours is plausible. You know, you think of you you can get close to that on on an, on something like a MacBook Air, even. So it's not it's not implausible. But I, I don't know. I take that with a pinch of salt. If they say, oh well, yeah, I would always take those 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 official numbers. But what's the what's the EV doing in as terms not, of um, battery um, life? What's that? Um, do you remember what what did they say? Um, if you get if you can get a battery life on something like that up to the sort of eighteen hours level. Yeah, they, I mean they've certainly gone for a, a bigger battery than what was in the Surface Pro Four, uh, but I haven't seen a number. A number highlighted on what they've actually gone to. Just they've gone for a for a bigger battery. But of course, with Microsoft having 
having just announced a new surface, uh, it may well not win on on that front. But I think some people will be very interested in USB-C. Now, Microsoft is saying, you know, this new uh, version of USB isn't quite ready for mainstream yet in, yeah. in laptops and tablets and so on. Uh, although I'm pretty sure their, if I remember correctly, their Lumia uh, 950 handset was USB uh, USB C based, yeah. um, but they haven't really bought fully bought into the concept, and I can I can understand why to a small degree because certainly I've seen some products, docking stations, and bits and pieces that just they don't seem that reliable yet, and and it may be the firmware versions and so on of of what I've played with, but it does seem as though. USB-C is not uh, is not fully perfected yet, and, and in fact, maybe that's the reason why Apple haven't gone further with their own docking solutions and I so on for uh, for the get, MacBook. With um, plugging and unplugging USB-C as well, it's a bit if it's if it's not if it's not tight and difficult to plug and unplug, then it's loose and it's not you know it's not a solid connection. Um, but I, I think that I think that's going to be solved. That's just, as again, that's just an engineering thing. It'll, we'll get to that. Um, well, I, if if that's got more battery life, then that's going to be that would be a killer. But you know, one of the things I need to I need to be, we need to put Surface, Microsoft Surface, and Surface Pro competitors in context. Um, oh, I almost said on the Surface there, but <laughs> in plain sight, it looks like. They're selling really well, but they're actually not. If you look at the IDC figures, um, you might expect IDC to even register in the top 10, sorry, Microsoft to register in the top 10 brands. Given that HP is like hugely, has, has a huge share of the market, and you get down to you know the smaller brands and they're, they're in the sort of single figure percentages, Microsoft just doesn't rate as a, as a, as a, as a, um, you know, as a major PC making brand, after what three or four years of yeah, I think they got up to selling around a billion US dollars worth of Surface products a quarter, uh, which would be what uh, in the direction of six billion New Zealand dollars. But then uh, over the last uh, the last period, over the last sort of full full year, they dropped yeah, back yeah. Uh, quite quite dramatically, and and I think in some ways deservedly. So, because the Surface Pro 4, uh, particularly the Surface Pro 4 with its uh, docking, you know, I, I found it was quite unreliable for quite a period. Uh, their, their firmware and so on, and the updates that they've done seem to have brought it generally reliable. I'd be interested to hear if any, if any listeners are still having issues. I did hear from somebody the other day who was saying that uh, he found his Surface Pro 4 was, uh, was, was unreliable to a degree, but uh, they seem to have mostly yeah, no, I, ironed those out. I borrowed one, and I, had, I, I did have a bit of a problem with that, but I... Mm. I Sometimes when you have that, you'd only have it for a limited period, so it doesn't. You know, you've got a machine for two or three weeks, and you're just testing it. And it goes wrong. You think, well, that could be me. That could be operator error. Um, I, um, but I did. I did see a little bit of that. I, I really like the surface. I really want it to be more successful than it is, but I'm just, I'm just thinking it's. It hasn't clicked. The other thing that bothers me about all the Microsoft hardware is it's hideously expensive. I mean, it's their their prices are actually they make Apple look 
you know, reasonable prices. Mm, I think they're probably a similar par to Apple in mm, general. No, for, some for of the similar things are more specs. expensive. Um, certainly, in the way, certainly when they land in New Zealand, they're more expensive. Um, and I, and I, I, I just think that, I mean, I get the idea that the Surface Pro is supposed to give a kick up the backside to um, hardware manufacturers. I think they've done that. I think the hardware manufacturers have lifted their game. HP has lifted its game enormously in the last 18 months. It's gone from being, you know, you go back 18 months and HP equipment was quite often a bit, not, not embarrassing, but just not, just not great. And now it is. I mean, most stuff, you know, well, not most stuff, but a lot of HP kits coming out at the moment is very, very good. Um, same with the others. Lenovo seems to have missed a beat, but the other PC companies seem to be, um, they're actually scoring huge goals. I mean, they're not scoring much in terms of sales. Sales are still falling. But it's a bit of a challenge, yeah. But, the, but technically, we seem to be, make, you know, we seem to be approaching what feel like near-perfect laptops and so on. So, um so they well, we've we've sort of got to that point with a lot of the the technologies. You know, where we've been we've been waiting for all the all the things to line up. Yeah. You know, the battery technology, the power usage, and so on. And now we've kind of got to that yeah. to that point. And if, I mean, you know, take with a grain of salt the thirteen and a half hours. But we've we've got a you know surface, lots of other sort of slim light products that actually deliver. Uh, enough battery life for what most people would need uh, in a common scenario before they can uh, plug them in again i mean it's certainly not uncommon to get a a full you know eight hours out of a uh, yeah. out of a battery in a device that's you know really light and portable i think it's great yeah, no no I, I but i no i love all of that and it's good but i'm just i just have my doubts about whether the surface is the is a success story or not in the in its in its own right it's a success story in sense that it's kick-started the you know given a kick up the backside to the industry that's happened and that's really good but is the surface actually a success story in terms of sales it's probably profitable which is enough i guess but it hasn't really dented the sales numbers yeah i i imagine from microsoft's perspective they needed something that helped windows kind of be a bit cool again and microsoft have been on this journey from a you know a place where microsoft was a very uncool company their products weren't very cool and i think the surface certainly part of that story and i think and, you're right. you know I windows 10 they, if they didn't have that cool factor they wouldn't be able to get away with windows 10s <laughs> you know so so I think that's I think that's all true. So mm. yeah, okay. Well, we're t- two weeks away from uh, Microsoft's new Surface Pro and also the Surface uh, laptop. So it'll be interesting to uh, to have a look at those once they uh, um, once they reach reach New Zealand. But uh, international launch is uh, a couple of weeks away, and I think I think the uh, the availability is. is due to be around the same here in New Zealand. So um, yeah. Now one other product that piece of technology that caught my eye is Sony's second generation um, uh, or Sony's yeah their their new e-ink tablet which is apparently a few weeks off uh, off launching and it uses their uh, second generation uh, digital paper uh, so you know you're dealing with a quite a high definition screen. It's uh, thirteen thirteen point three inches, 
Um, and yeah, compared to your your typical um, Kindle or or e-reader, you've certainly got a bit of bit of size to it. But you can also for magazine, I think. Yeah, you can also uh, use a use a stylus with it for uh, for note taking. And, but it's not um, a computer, is it? It's it's yeah, it's not not really a uh, well yeah no, it's not it's not a full not a full blown uh, computer. So um, I mean, it's not even a tablet in the style of the um, Galaxy or the iPod. Uh, sorry, iPad. It, it it is more for uh, you know for for documents and yeah. um, and um, but you know yeah, seven hundred uh, US dollars and. I, I kind of miss Sony from the markets. Well, because from the PC market, because Sony had this, they had a nice touch with their, you know, their kit was actually ahead of its time um, when it came to things like style and just the ergonomic stuff and so on. Sony was really the only company that could hold up to Apple in that department mm, for mm, a long time, mm. but they just never really got the got that together. Um, so yeah, it'd be nice to see what Sony can do. The, the, um, the there's something about the way the Japanese can do some of these things, which is just cool. Um, so that, this is something I'd really like to see. Actually, if anyone from Sony's listening, um, we want to see this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope it get. I hope it gets a local yeah. uh, a local launch. Now, Bill, you will have uh, you will have seen this um, uh, digital future uh, manifesto that's been uh, been released. New Zealand's digital future 2017 uh, manifesto, and uh, lots of uh, organisations and and individuals uh, have been standing behind this. Internet NZ. Um, IT professionals, two ands, and um, you know a, a whole bunch more. Um, and being an election year, uh, you know, I guess what we're what we're seeing here is uh, you know a hope of influencing um, the future of of New Zealand and um, and how the government. Um, um, positions, you know, technology within uh, within what they do, and um, you know, you know, I guess that well, you know they're, they're hoping for a bit of competition. Politicians, Paul, because they're <laughs> hopeless at it. I mean, really, <laughs> our politicians are very. You know, they get three out of ten for their um, understanding of the issues and so on, and that's and so is that why we need this this sort of thing, or well, or by um, encouraging the government to uh, to set up new uh, new things like a, a ministry of, of of future and so on. Uh, are we, technology are we, officer. Yeah. Uh, are we are we going to get ourselves, um, you know, into a, a more difficult position where everybody's sort of looking looking to the government? Well, I, no, I tell you what. I t- okay, the chief. Te- let's take the chief technology officer idea, which is part of all this. On paper, it's a great idea, but you know, you've so much got to get the right person. Imagine you've got the wrong person in that role. Imagine that role became someone who got it because of their ability to um you know lobby and handle politicians rather than their understanding of the sector um you know it could be disastrous it could be open to capture by the large corporations i mean i'm sure that the um the the you know the big multinational tech companies would be 
whining and dining that person, taking them to visit their starship-like campuses and, and, and so on all the time. You know, it really has to be the right person. It's got to be someone who's um, above all that, if you, know, if you know what I mean. Someone who's not going to be um, delighted by the baubles of office, mm, I think is the, mm, mm, the New Zealand mm. phrase. And that's, and that's the kind of thing that bothers me about it, is that it's... Um, is that yeah i like the idea but have we got someone here who could do that job who we'd all be happy with i don't know i'd like to think we have but i'm yeah. sure that there would well, be an issue there well i mean the um the parts of it that i read there were you know definitely some positive things in there oh, yeah. uh you know and and you know even just simple stuff you know encouraging uh you know those within the government realms to uh, to get themselves up to speed on uh, on cyber security to get trained up to actually understand this stuff. I mean, this but, this but, is but, this I is mean, basics the, that no, all of these see, guys should this, know. This is yeah, but that's not necessarily how politics works. I mean, so part of it is actually having good advisors as well. Sure, but and um, um, and if and the but there's of, some basics that everyone yeah. in government needs to know. Oh right? uh, yeah, look, there's there's that too. I was actually um, I was actually. Um, I'm not going to name names or anything, but I came across a politician who actually was very savvy about telecommunications the other day, and I thought this is a bit um, unusual <laughs> because I'm not used to not used to having that kind of um, you know thinking. Well, this guy knows what he's talking about, mm, mm. Um, and that, that's 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 the side of this that bothers me is that there's is that it's very dependent on the individuals and so on concerned. I like the idea of there being some coordinated um, technology plan. I like the idea of someone overseeing things, but like I said, it's so open to capture. Um, I'm sure that there would be all kinds of groups, you know, the um, who would like it to, who would like this person to swing one way or another. Um, you know, maybe behind, say, for example, the open source movement. On one hand, um, Microsoft would love to have their software mandated as standard. You know, that, all those kinds of issues, which just bother me, bother the hell out of me. Um, some some of that I think is just best left to the market. Um, the um, but having said that, yeah, well, it's good that they're thinking about these things. It's good that they're coming up with some ideas, and it's and, and these ideas need to be given to government. But I think I think you know important as a as a country that we keep moving forward technologically i mean technology is a thread that runs through you know just about anything these days particularly when it comes yeah, to business but, and yeah, and but, and innovation and you know i want to see that encouraged but yeah but that happens regardless i mean look one mm-hmm. of the great things i mean i i probably people i will probably get people calling me about getting <laughs> offended by this but look italy seems to have managed to have very successful businesses yet its government is a complete shambles right it's it's not reliant on the government for, for yeah 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 and and, um, and you know we seem to have some great technology in this country some great technology companies and some really talented people and yet when it comes to technology our government's a shambles I'm not sure that that's what how the approach I think what we need to do is we need to get everything else right and rather than worrying about specific techn- technology policies um, and that means things like making sure the education system is right and that doesn't mean just vocational education that means across the spectrum it means making sure there's money it makes making sure there's things like um, equity of access to technology and to networks and so on all of those things are really important 
but I'm not sure if it's a technology issue. I'm not sure if it needs to be done, you know, you, you know, by by a yeah. But but somebody within the government had some foresight around the importance of access to broadband a few years ago, and that you know that's what has led to our ultra fast yeah. broadband initiative. Uh, well, the ultra-fast broadband, the rural yeah, but, broadband but, but that's exactly, initiative. But that's that's kind of exactly my point, right? Have we had a chief technology officer? Would we have had that? We might not. We might, that chief technology officer... Might, might have held s- that process up, you think? Yeah, well, well, yeah, because um, or it's potent- there's potential for it. There's potential for that person to get involved. I mean, again, it has to be the right person. Right, yeah. And that's what I'm... So you like the approach that we've actually gone with that, I think, I and think, putting I think too many layers in well. there could actually, yeah, I think New could Zealand's hold us got up. Those settings pretty right. I mean, I would mm. like I would like some more money for science and technology in the universities. Um, I would like a I would like a, more money for that sort of stuff in schools. But I'd also like more money for arts and so on in schools and in universities and so on. I think we need to have an educated population and. These things will come from that, will stem from that. You know, some of these guys who've um, um, done wonderful things with technology, they didn't spend 15 years studying physics at university. I mean, what's Steve Jobs' degree in, you know, if he's got one at all? It's, it's we, we, we tend to, as an industry, the technology industry tends to have a sort of over-self-important view of itself in this way. Our government does actually a reasonably good job of it, despite not having, despite the politicians not having a clue about technology, because they the, the settings are right, the policy settings tend to be right, and that's that's the important thing. Mm. Well, there's, you know, there is something to be said for uh, governments that uh, that don't hold things back and uh, and just push yeah. things along sometimes without uh, without all the knowledge, as long as the right uh, skills get plugged in. Uh, I mean, uh, down the, down the, the track, the, uh, the, the ultra fast broadband really that was the pretty much the two people political people responsible for that were david cunliffe and um stephen joyce both of them deserve huge amount of kudos for having the vision to get that going but i don't think either of those men would tell you they were tech you know technology officers um and you know really we want more stephen joyce's and david cunliffe's looking at these things thank you thank you bill that's uh, <laughs> some 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 good thoughts there well I would be interested if anybody wants to share their thoughts on these things, then more than welcome to tweet to uh, to Bill and I. Um, Bill, your Twitter handle? Uh, Bill Bennett NZ. Great. And uh, you, if you want to tweet uh, to me at uh, Paul Spain on Twitter or NZ Tech Podcast. Um, so always great to have feedback. Uh, also, if anyone does, does want to get in touch directly, um, I'm happy to receive emails. Uh, Paul at Spain.nz is my direct email um i think that wraps us up for this episode bill i think it does yeah now um where do people keep in touch uh well they've heard your twitter handle but uh your your latest bits and pieces you're always putting uh, putting things online on your blog yeah that's on uh, billbennett.co.nz um and um the other thing i've been doing recently is i've been producing a a, a magazine for chorus which is for the telco in telco sector um, and there's a site for that called the download.co.nz, which you can, if you're interested, you can read about what's going on in the broadband world. Oh, that's great. Excellent. Oh, well, thanks for that, Bill. 
Um, well, that's us for this week. Thanks, everybody, for, uh, for joining this episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast, and we will be back again next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.